Thousands of business leaders, policymakers, experts, heads of government and state have gathered once again in a snowy Swiss mountain resort in January. There are crises affecting parts all over the world. The war in Ukraine, mitigating the impact of climate change, a weakening global economic outlook. But other regions, like the Middle East, are looking at opportunities from a world in transition. This is a special episode of Beyond the Headlines at the World Economic Forum Annual Meeting in Davos. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi. And with me is The National's Editor-in-Chief, Mina Al-Arabi. Welcome, Mina. Hi, Mustafa. And with us also is CNN's international correspondent and anchor, Richard Quest. Welcome, Richard. Very good day to you, sir. So it's been several days here in Davos. Uh, there are many, many issues. Um, Mina, if I start with you, um, what is sort of the main uh, topic that you think is going to drive uh, conversations in the months uh, ahead after we finish here? Well, China's a big story. And you had a lot of interest in, one, the news that China's growth at the end of last year was a little better than expected, still slowing, but at 3% seemed to be a surprise, but also simultaneously getting the news that the population decline in China was something to watch. So China's going to continue to be a big story, and there was a lot of conversation around that. Politically, there's, of course, the continuation of the Ukraine war. What does that look like? Economically, growth, not growth, but also climate change and the impact that's having in terms of transformations in energy, those are probably the biggest ones. I mean, we, we were here only as recently as May. I mean, the, the, for, you, for you, Richard, you've been coming here a long time. Is it strange to be back here so quickly? Because a lot of the conversations seem to be the same. It's not a question so much of the conversations. It is a bit weird, uh, but it's not so much the conversations, it's the issues. <clears throat> and I think the big difference between May and now is that when we came in May, there were various crises that were boiling over. The war had just started or was only a matter of a few months in. On the economic front, the tightening cycle had just begun. So the question was, how long, how high, how much damage? Now we come back China was closed and we didn't know what was going to happen there. We come back X number of months later and all of those policies are now in play. The medicine has been delivered to the economic patient. Now we're waiting to see if it recovers. The war in Ukraine is ongoing, but the issues now are different. China, we now see a different set of issues. So when they come back to Davos, there's really nothing for them to do on these big issues because it's in play and we're waiting to see what happens. So if you want to date the macro, the big stuff, there really isn't much to be said, but there's a lot to be said and done on all the other issues, which is why I think this Davos has been more interesting than previous. That's a great way of framing it because there's more introspection. And like you said, some things, no one's saying, but we should do this, but we should that. It's more than, okay, so now all this is playing out. How do we want think of the long term. So people are talking about generative AI, they're talking about bioengineering. And it's interesting, but everyone's like, okay, but I don't know what my, if my company is going to have the same number of employees in three months time, are we going to be able to afford it? So it's quite interesting seeing the dichotomy of the two. And you've got two Davoses going on here. Uh, and I'm not talking about the partying on, uh, on that sort of thing, which is much less, by the way, than in previous years. But you've got a Davos of, the, if you like, the great and the good and discussing the big issues in, uh, in long conversations that go nowhere. And then you've got all these people on the promenade going to panels on AI and blockchain, water and development, how we can be better at X. I don't know. There's so many of them. I don't even understand most of them. Those people are here in large numbers. So there is a real 
engine room of work being done in Davos that I don't think you used to get before. And one of the other topics, which is, as, as you, you both said, it's, it's not something of a surprise, but climate has been a big, a big issue here. And if you talk about the engine room of getting that done, doesn't that need to be done top down? No, no, because I've just done a panel uh, on top down stuff and you might want to hit your head on the wall. Um, because they did a good job, the panellists, but you became aware of the complexities. Instead, go up to the promenade or go and look at some of the panels taking place over in the ice village that seem esoteric on their face until you realise these are actually the people who know what they're talking about and they are getting down deep and dirty on the minutiae of what needs to happen. So it's climate and water, it's climate and poverty, it's climate and transportation rather than just something must be done. What's interesting also is on the topic of water, in March, the UN is going to have this major conference on fresh water because, again, one of the greatest crises facing everybody is what's, what are we going to do when fresh water runs out if we don't do something about it? And it's interesting that here is, is the precursor. So people are talking about, okay, because if we say that here people talk and there isn't much being done, it's a lot worse at the UN. And so the idea is actually if you've got you know, private sector, NGOs, academics, and officials here, they're going to try to put something together that works before descending upon New York in March. I'm one of those attendees who's skeptical, always have been about this place. Do you really need to schlep several thousand people up a mountainside at great expense? And then the more I think about it and I keep thinking, no, 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 Richard, there is value in bringing the right people together to discuss things at the beginning of the year, because you then see putting it bluntly where the bodies are buried. You see who stands where, what's your policy on this? Well, if you have a policy on this, do I need a policy on that? And so I think that besides all the pomposity and grandiosity, there is work being done here. I'm not sure that uh, you need the cost of doing it all like that, but that's the way it is. Well, I mean, the, the last 10 years, we've seen the consequences of when people don't discuss things and go ahead and do what they think is right, whether it's ideologically or otherwise. And maybe we're coming to the end of that cycle. And so we need to have a little bit more conversation. No, I, I don't agree with you. I don't agree. I mean, we've been having talks and negotiations and discussions. The, big, the, the war in Ukraine... And what happened with China and lockdown is the biggest slap in the face, bucket of cold water over the people who come to Davos than you can imagine. They were wrong, 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 wrong. They've got it wrong repeatedly. And they were suddenly told, do you know something? The, the earth is flat after all. They've been on about how we've got to bring Russia into the global economy and Russia nice people and Russia, Russia, Russia. Oh, and don't forget those nice Chinese. They're really playing by the same rules that the Western capitalists play, but they just pretend not to be. And all of a sudden we were told, uh, no, no, this is the rules are not. So they've been talking for years here. You have to take this place, I think. I mean, you have to take this place with an element of skepticism. I agree on the skepticism. Um, but I think, look, I think the talking, it depends what sort of talking you're doing and where it gets you to. So yes, there was this idea that the World Economic Forum, and that's globalization, right? The idea, yes. it, it is, is symbolic of globalization where we all believed, or most people believed after the Cold War, that this is it, capitalist system, doesn't really matter what happens on the politics, but the economy and free markets will drive everything and it will solve everything. That's gone. 
And the World Economic Forum represents part of that. But it also represents bringing in all the different strands, saying it's complex. You can't have the politicians speaking without the economists. And, you know, somebody was saying to me, do you find this or the Munich Security Conference more useful? And I said, well, you know, as a political journalist, Munich Security Conference is amazing because it's like, you know, getting all the politics. But actually, to be relevant globally, you need the World Economic Forum because here you're learning about the trends of a four-day work week and bioengineering, which we just talked about, but also what's happening in South Korea. I don't know. All the new Brazilian ministers are here. I'm never going to have the opportunity to see what Brazil's outlook looks like. And Brazil's important. So I do think it, it plays a role. And I do think the talking, the level of talking that I find most interesting is you see a level of vulnerability in, uh, behind closed doors that you don't see in other places because there's a trust that most people who are here have reached a certain level in their careers where there's trust between them. So I can show vulnerability and say, I actually have no idea what's going to happen with my organization in five years' time. And you'll have a CEO saying, yeah, actually, me too. Mina has just revealed the dirty little secret of Davos. <laughs> and it is this. The critics always say, <clears throat> oh, it's a gathering of the elites, the great and the good, the people who all speak the same language. Ah, it's all... Well, they're right. And do you know why? Because these are the people who have the power. These are the people who can make a difference. The, you may not like it and you may hate that fact, but the reality is the people who are here matter. They make decisions that affect the lives of tens of millions of citizens if they're in government, hundreds of thousands of employees if they're CEOs. And that is the significance of all these. Walking past us now, I am seeing people who are responsible for the welfare of millions of people. That's why it matters who's here. I like what you said earlier about uh, they got a slap in the face or a cold bucket of water over them because the, nud the nudges weren't working. The, the, great, you know, the Great Recession or the financial crisis was one sort of nudge that we need to re-pivot. Then you had Brexit was another kind of nudge and then Donald Trump as well. So now I think the forum is very much seeing that it needs to shape a different dialogue, a different conversation. I don't know how successful it's being, be good to know your thoughts on, you know, whether it's actually being able to reposition what globalization could be for people going forward. The jury is still out. I think it might, because people are always questioning globalization here. I think the jury is out, but I do think it remains relevant. And what was interesting, the point of it being at the beginning of the year is important. When we came in May, everyone's like, no, I've made too many decisions here. It's not the right time and so forth. And January makes sense because it's the outlook. And I think they, they still have incredible convening power success in terms of let's have the conversations and ask more questions rather than just accept that things are as they are. You know, I went to, there are some sessions that are disappointing. So I went to a session about democracy and said, you know, democracy, the way forward. And I was really interested because I thought they were, they were going to question, you know, the electoral college in the US or what's happening in the UK. If you keep having a prime minister that's not elected, doesn't have an electoral mandate. And instead, all they talked about was Ukraine because it was comfortable. So I think there are still comfort zones. You know, it's much easier to say, we've got it all right in Europe and the US, bad Russia. And I think the, the problem there is the, to, to, to put it into the nuts and bolts, the problem there is the management of the panel, the management of the, how it is structured, who is on it, um, and, and how it is actually conducted. Um, the, rea the, 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 the reality is if you didn't have WEF, if you didn't, actually, not forget WEF, if you didn't have Davos, you'd have to invent it. Because the, <laughs> the number of people who will 
pontificate and say grandly, oh, it's not what it used to be. <laughs> it's not what it used to be. I've heard that so many It's not times. what it used to be. I'm not coming again. No, this is my last Davos. And as they walk out the door, they say, see you next year. <laughs> it's true. You know? um, and the reality is it's the, you know, with the white badges who are here, who uh, are the, the people involved. But what's happened is there's a massive infrastructure of other things. And they're holding good panels and they're up on the promenade and the this and the that and the other. But don't write off Davos. I mean. It was interesting because, of course, while we were here, there was um, the, the news about some discontent within the World Economic Forum about what does the future look like beyond Klaus Schwab and oh, you know, uh, the founder and all of that. And I think at the heart of it, like you said, Richard, I mean, you'd need a forum like this. I think it would survive. It would probably be different if he wasn't around. Um, but at its heart, there is a comfort also in, in people having relations. I mean, there are people you only see in Davos. You see them annually. But actually, you're building on that relationship. And for us as journalists, it's, I, you know, I get the most knowledge and learnings in, in one week. Oh, oh I think you're, you're being uh, understated. You get to see people that would take you months if you could even get to see them. Yes, and you see them one after the other after the other. So you have speed dating out there, what I call Davos, Davos moments. A Davos moment, I turned around and said, hello, Richard, Prince Albert of Monaco. I, I mean, I'm thinking, you know, oh, yeah, yes, 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 it's your serene highness, isn't it, Pim? And then you turn around again and it's the CEO of X or the Minister for Investment from Honduras. You're building, a, you're, you're deepening, or I am deepening my understanding of the issues that, that I cover every day. Same for the other people that come who aren't journalists, I assume. But the, the, to come back to the criticism, there would be people who look at the news headlines and look at this from the outside, normal people, who would say, what's this got to do with me? Oh, it doesn't matter. What exactly. They, it doesn't, doesn't have matter. to do something no. with them. But <laughs> well, some decisions will impact them. Right. Many decisions will impact them. Yeah. It doesn't matter. This is not, this place is not about having a result. There have been examples in the past, Middle East particularly, where a declaration, a document, a whatever. Davos is at its worst when it starts to be pompous and thinks it's better than it is. WEF is at its worst when it starts to be hubristic about its role in the world. It's self-appointed. It relies on the people who come here, and it's the people who come here that make it. Richard Quest, thank you so much. Mina Al-Arabi, thank you. Thanks, Mustafa. You've been listening to a special edition of Beyond the Headlines. Do join us again next time.